the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bug Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones en masse. Get it on my leader right after the end of the game. The Bug Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name is Mark Hiles. And I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. Here we are again with another round of Bolton Wanderers headlines hot off the press. And on the show this week, there's no such thing as a friendly, well, in Oldham, all the fallout from a Wanderers U-turn. Brocky's coming home. Harry passes on El Paso. Keep off the pitch. Wanderers tackle some more fan disorder. And who's company? We keep fingers crossed on a James Trafford return. And talking about Traff, well, we asked him if he'd seen that City game last weekend. Yeah, well, I, I was watching it and I thought this is this is brilliant, like. Yeah, all right, mate. Well, whatever, you know. Just remember what side your bread's buttered on. Um, before we introduce my co-host for this week, a reminder: we are currently offered a 30-day free trial to new subscribers to the Bolton News. And let me promise you, and let me promise you this weekend, you are going to want to be signed up. No hints. I'm not gonna tip off any other journalists that listen to this. Just take my word, it is going to be a big deal and you'll want to be signed up. Even if it's just for your 30-day free trial, just to see what all the fuss is about, go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe Put your name down, try it for 30 days, see if it's for you, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And talking of a big deal, he's one half of the MLS UK podcast, and he's about one third of the total body weight of the Buff podcast, my co-host, Henry Hewitt. How are you doing, Henry? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for the shout out for the MLS podcast, because that's uh, that's mid-season now, so that's prime. I kind of, my, my Buff and MLS overlap very nicely but uh well normally it does anyway but we're continuing through the summer on the on this one because normally we've got so much to talk about except this week yeah no it's quite i'm quite that's that's why i brought up the mls i had a little listen the other night i thought it'd be lovely to have loads of stuff to talk about that you know everything's happening all at once uh but uh, no it's been a very very quiet week on planet wanderers hasn't it but uh, look we'll find something to talk about don't we, we need to keep the energy up at the top of the show, I think, Henry, we need to do a bit better than that. So uh, let's start with the, the big issue of the week. Big issue of this week. Dapwa Flying, Lloyd Isgrove, both posting Instagram pictures wearing Crocs. Are you a fan or are you not? Why are Bolton Wanderers players suddenly wearing Crocs? Um, I'm not a fan. I, I, yeah, I've never wore Crocs. So I'm, I am prepared to be proven wrong that one time when I do wear Crocs, but uh, no, I've never wore them. I don't think they're very fashionable. Uh, although saying that, Dapo Afalayan and Lloyd Isgrove actually can wear what they want. Yeah, I'm happy for that. They do style them out. I think Lloyd Isgrove is very... He, he does style a lot of things out. He's a very uh, fashionable guy. Um, He's got that so one, I'll... one sock thing going on at the moment, thanks to you as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His other sock, signed, is in my, uh, in my spare room. Um, that's why I want to get him back playing because I want to be able to. I'm still waiting for him to score like a winner in the playoff final, so I can like hang it up and frame yeah. it or something. Nah, look, it's, it's it's holiday time. The reason it's quiet is a lot of the players are going away. They're all posting uh, bon voyage pictures on Insta and such like. I did find it very interesting that uh, that Mr. Isgrove posted a picture not only of his Crocs but of uh, a lizard on his. Uh, uh, was it like, like a kind of a bracelety type thing? Was it? Yeah, yeah. And this it, this brings out the conspiracy theories in Bolton fans. What does it mean? Does it mean a a certain uh, sideshow bob head player <laughs> is on his way who famously was linked to a lizard earlier in the season? Um, yeah. So this is this is it. I know this is the summer. This is when we get you know it'll be James Trafford next they'll be posting photos of a car's pasty and we'll be like does this mean he's signing what does it mean yes this is the time of year where two and two can often equal five um, but you never know we'll have a little chat about that uh, that that in a minute um, if you had to go on holiday 
if you had to go on holiday with any Bolton Wanderers player, we'll go past or present because it doesn't have to, we don't have to embarrass somebody that's in the squad if you don't want to. But who would you want to go with a, a lads holiday? Who are you going with? Lads holiday, it's got to be Weeter, hasn't it? He's gonna, you know, if you want to. Well, saying that, I mean, Weeter would be great for the first night. But then going on night five or six of the holiday, you're probably like, all right, David, I just need a break. Can you rein it in? Um, I'd probably have, I'd, I'd go half the holiday with Wheater and then a half the holiday with someone a bit more relaxed. Ricardo Gardner, I'd go uh, with Ricardo Gardner. Although, to be fair, having read what that guy put on Twitter about um, Ricardo Gardner getting him on the pitch at Stoke, he'll probably... <laughs> Probably get on the. I'd sit next to him in Manchester Airport and go. I'm on your holiday with you, Ricardo. Is that okay? But like, yeah, fine. That's, that's just how chill Bibby is. Yeah, he yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't care. He'd be like, hey, listen, I'm going to stay in your room. I can't be bothered buying my own hotel suite. So yeah, don't worry, mate. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I think. I think with Wheater, I'd always be very worried that I wasn't coming back. I'd end up just drinking myself into a complete oblivion. Uh, but that, yeah, I'm with you with, you with that one. I would. Just uh, Yaskalainen, he was great to go on holiday with. He was, he was, he was on point. He knew where he needed to be. He, he was organised. He, he was the guy who had everybody else's passport. He, he knew exactly yeah. what he was doing. Is logging to Wi-Fi, and he was constantly on my shoulder looking at uh, whatever was going on on my computer because he was so bored he couldn't find Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, well, on the the, the Wanderers Farmer Players uh, lads lads on holiday, you, yeah, you do need you need a weeter that's going to be quite mad. You need yeah. someone to look after everyone, so Yussi can be that. Yeah, we'd have to. We'll have to. I'd say that's maybe one for the listeners to keep us. Uh, well, basically keep us with content over the summer. <laughs> if you had to go on a lads holiday with, let's should we say four or five former Wanderers players, mm. uh, let us know. And you've you've got to say as well the reasons why. You can't just say, oh, I choose the. It's not a five a side team. You've got to go right. I choose. Stick Tofting. <laughs> oh, well, actually, I wouldn't choose Stick Tofting. <laughs> that, that would be a career choice. Wow. Yeah, I choose Mario Jardel because there's always somebody to be in the kebab shop at four a.m. You know, you've got to give us reasons why. Yeah, but do you imagine imagine getting on the plane and then realizing you sat next to Mario Jardel and just knowing you're not going to fit in that seat very well. It's <laughs> it's there's there's never going to be any shoulder room. You know, he's going to be drooling all over you like fifteen minutes into the air. I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm not up for that suggestion, but I'm happy for people to send in their own suggestions uh, on your, your lads' holiday possibilities. That sounds like a that sounds like a segment. A bit less work for us to do, Henry. Um, yeah, yeah. So, right, okay, talking about social media as well, um, at the top of the show, we thought we'd get all the fluffy stuff out of the way. Uh, our official Buff Listener of the Week is Mr. Josh Windass. Congratulations, Josh. Um, anybody that saw his tweet earlier this week will know what I'm talking about. I'll just read it out to you because uh, I do, I've got a little screenshot here. Um, so, okay, while you're all tweeting me, Wigan fans, I respect your club and your staff, but you lot are so busy. I don't play for your club anymore. I'm on holiday. If all the fans who tweeted me on here went to games, you might fill your ground. <laughs> that's a good, that's a nice tweet. Josh Windass, in a in a similar way that James McLean ends up at Wigan, I can see Josh Windass one day ended up at Bolton just for, just for banter, really. <laughs> Absolutely, his dad. I like his dad as well, uh, Dean Wendas. Yeah. Him. He's uh, yeah, he's he's always been a great uh, great laugh. I love listening to him on podcasts and such like. But uh, Josh Windas played for Sheffield Wednesday, of course. Um, who will, of course, still be in League One with Bolton Wanderers next season. Um, but uh, yes, you are our listener of the week, Josh. Good good tweet as far as I'm concerned. Um, another bit of. Um, social media that I thought I would flag up. It happened last night. We're recording this on Thursday. Marlon Fossey put out some pictures of him training in the gym. It was all a little bit flash dance, if you ask me, uh, the yeah. uh, the pictures. But of the people that commented, one of them was Ollie Norburn. Um, I'm not sure where Ollie's playing at the minute, but he doesn't know he's a massive Bolton fan. Um, he says, oh, sign, sign him up. And then the other one, Mr. 20, 20 Goals, 20 Goals himself, Amadou Bakayoko, tweets, uh, what, what do you do on Insta? Do you just message? Do you post? Do you tweet? You don't tweet. You comment. You comment, of course. Um, yeah, okay. You commented. Um, he's coming back with uh, with a bit of an applause. What do you make of that, Henry? 
Well, uh, if there's one man I trust, it's 20 goals, 20 goals back at Oko. So, uh, I mean, you know, if, if Oli Norburn's saying sign him up, I know, I've just looked, he's at Peterborough United. So, I don't oh, yeah. think, uh, well, he might be going to Peterborough United. You never know, they're in our league now. But, uh, yeah, surely it's just a matter of time. Backer knows, uh, Lloyd Isgrove knows, that's why he's putting out cryptic Instagram posts. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Fossey's going to be back. If Bakayoko says he's signing, that's it. I'm not arguing with him, full stop. In fact, actually, I, I, going back to that previous debate about uh, Lance Holidays, I'd have Backer on there because, A, he's not a drinker. He will look after you. If there is any trouble, Backer will sort it out. Yes. Yeah, that's true. There's, no, there's not going to be any trouble, is there, when you've got Backer in your, uh, at your table. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Backer has announced it. Uh, just get it done, Wanderers. I hope by the time this podcast does air on Friday that uh, the Wanderers have uh, accelerated that and we get a flurry of Friday signings. That's what I fancy. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about signings, though, Liam Gordon has found a new club. He's gone to Walsall in League Two, which I think is a cracking move, don't you? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think Walsall uh, uh, a good team to go to. League Two as well. And you got to think that we signed him from... Uh, I don't think he played football league football... No. Uh, when we signed him, so for him to have two years with us, and I and I think it's uh, I'm I'm glad to see it because I think he's a he's a decent player. I you know I, I he's he's a casualty of of us really looking forward instead of wanting. If we were looking to just stay in League One, he'd probably have stayed. But uh, as we've discussed on previous podcasts, there's a few players that kind of are casualties of that. Mm. Uh, Lloyd Isgrove, perhaps being one of them, ironically, but. Um, you know, players that maybe uh, are injured for a bit and the, the team moves on or they're, uh, they go out on loan. And, um, you know, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a great move for uh, for him. And I, I really hope he does really well. Yeah, and I, actually, you see, sometimes, based upon the reaction of your teammates, just how popular a player he was. And I don't think there's anybody on any of the social media channels that hasn't congratulated him and, and given him kind of big love uh, for, for after that announcement. I think everybody's really happy that he's been fixed up. And, and also, Walsall, a good little club as well. I've always uh, found them to be a really good family club down there and uh, I wish him all the best. OK, we don't believe in slow news weeks. Every single week on the buff is a fast news week. There's, in fact, one's just gone. One's just gone. As I've been doing this link, another fast news week has gone. <laughs> Quick, save me from this horrible segue, Henry. Give me some headlines. News. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, here's one. Here's one to uh, to just quiet things down and discuss for a bit. Um, Oldham, the, the friendly was cancelled. We mentioned this last week, saying that people weren't happy with it because we know what's going on at Oldham and a few people were like, well, I don't want to be giving money to that club at the moment. Um, right decision in the end to, to cancel it? Yes, definitely. I think it would have been a, a better decision not to do it in the first place. Um, no. But, you know, I, I said last week that I think it was done on football purposes. There was basically a list of possibles and and the potential opponents were looked at from a footballing capacity as in, you know, you, you stagger it so that you better play, better games are coming towards the end of your pre-season schedule and you can upscale the minutes accordingly. So I think they just looked at Oldham as a National League club and a local uh, game rather than even thinking about the politics of it. I'm sure that, you know, at board level, nobody had anything to do with organising that game. But um, what the encouraging thing is from Bolton Wanderers' point of view, and I know um, Oldham fans groups who initially called for fans to boycott that because obviously they're having problems with... um, uh, with uh, Lemsigam over there and, and the ownership. The encouraging thing from Bond point of view is that having heard those concerns, that they were willing to talk and willing to, you know, engage with supporters, make the reverse, reverse their decision so quickly. It was only a week between the game actually being announced and then it actually being cancelled. So I think that's a really positive thing. And, and I wrote in midweek about... The supporters trust having played quite a big part in this because they have a, a really solid line of communication now with Neil Hart, the CEO. 
and that's a great thing for fans because that has never happened before. Uh, they've they've fought and scrapped to try and get what they could, I think, under the previous ownership. And I think over the past two years with Football Ventures, it's been a fairly slow slow trawl for them to, to try and show where they're, they're kind of pitching themselves. But I think now that the, the supporters trust with this relationship they've got with Neil Hart, I think that's a very positive thing for fans so if you are a member of the Sporters Trust, you effectively have that beeline. You can raise an issue via the Sporters Trust with the chief executive, the man who basically runs the building. Um, so that's a really, really good thing. And the fact that Bolton are listening, it's just so different, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And and this is, this is where Oldham would love to be. And hopefully they are in the future when, you know, the, this guy get, sells up. Um, and yeah, I guess for Oldham fans, it's it's it gives you hope because we were in a similar situation and now we've we've moved on and we we're progressing and everyone's happy and singing from the same hymn sheet and that can happen and Derby will be looking at that as well and thinking well we could have it with our new owners so um, so yeah we going from despair we've actually got to a place now where. You know, I, th- I think we're actually very lucky, and we we lucky that we have got a um, an ownership model and a, a a model at the top end of the club that that are accessible, and which is is very rare in football, especially at a club like Bolton. You'd normally expect that from a club like you say Walsall before, you know, like a smaller club, yeah. um, where you know. At, slightly you know bigger clubs it's not necessarily the case but yeah we are lucky with that and yeah I guess it was um it was the right move I think as I said last week personally I didn't really have much of a I didn't really think that much of it I didn't you know if we would have played the friendly I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone but I wouldn't have thought anything of it but um you know in the end it's it is the right decision and hopefully we can replace it with a another friendly of against a team who um, who can give us a bit of a challenge. I think from a footballing perspective as well, they just didn't need to wade into it all, really. You don't need the hassle of having protests no. outside a friendly or having the, the potential of tennis balls being littered over the, the garden fence or whatever and onto the onto the pitch and stopping play when you just try and... It's, a, it's just a fitness exercise, isn't it? Um, the last yeah. thing that Bolton need is for any anything that's avoidable... Um, you know, ca- causing them problems in pre-season friendlies. Yeah. Um, so this one came out the blue, really. It's Harry Brockbank. He uh, he was with El Paso in Texas. He'd moved over there after his contract ended with Bolton, and now um, he's coming home. Do you know much about this? Is he has he got something else lined up? Did he not settle? Um, yeah. I mean, we we hopefully hopefully by the time this podcast goes out, if not, maybe slightly towards the weekend. Um, we'll be speaking with uh, Harry Brockbank over the exact reasoning. As I understand it, um, he's just struggled a little bit to settle over there. I think he's been very open with the, the club over there. They've been great with him. Um, he was away from his family. Wasn't quite what he'd expected. He, he just struggled a little bit, I think, with the um, with the travelling and the, with, the, with, the, with everything that uh, has to be done over there. So, uh, very amicable, but he's coming back over here to obviously get himself fixed up. He hasn't got anything fixed up as things stand. Um, but we should hopefully be speaking with uh, with Brocky over that pretty soon. Um, I will say also on that, um, just thanks a lot to to Anton. I know he listens to the podcast. Um, he sent us um, a lovely picture of himself with Brocky and his family um, a couple of days ago when they, they watched a game together on uh, Wednesday, I think it was. Um, just uh, he's he runs a gym over there, and uh, I know they've uh, they've become mates. So um, thanks very much for for letting us know about that, Anton. I hope you're well. Um, but for for Brocky's point of view, I think we said when when he left, he was one of those that potentially had got left behind by the the progression of the first team at Bolton. But do you see him? Which what sort of level of football do you see him pitching himself right now? Uh, I think he can do a job in League Two. I think he's like Liam Gardner. Uh, I think he's got football league experience. He's got experience in a very, um, you know, in a, in a dire situation at Bolton. Uh, you know, as part of like the junior whites team. So, uh, so yeah, I think he could settle in League Two. He could even do a job for one of the many clubs in the National League that are, uh, are well, all but in name League Two clubs. Sure. Uh, I noticed 
like Notts County were knocked out of the, the playoffs this week and you know there's other clubs in that division uh, the likes of Chesterfield and maybe maybe Wrexham maybe could go back with Parky if Wrexham don't go up so I would say top end of National League League 2 I'd, I'd say you should be aiming for do you agree? Yeah absolutely somebody mentioned Scunthorpe to me the other day as well and knowing how highly Keith Hill rates him um, wouldn't mm. at all surprise me if, if he pitched himself there as well. The thing is, nowadays, that the, the top end of the National League is arguably awash with more money than the bottom half of League Two. Yeah. A lot of those clubs, the Wrexhams you mentioned there, and, and uh, Solihull Moors have, have put some money into it, and obviously um, Stockport County are com- coming up this uh, with the He Who Shall Not Be Named. Um mm. They've coming up and spend a lot of money. So I think when they do hit League Two, you'll see they'll bounce straight up. I think Sutton did really well this season, of course. But Forest Green have done very well since they uh, came into the Football League and now now playing League One. So um, you're getting this kind of like cycle of uh, money that's been thrown in at non-league level now. And a lot of them are professional teams. So, yeah, I don't think uh, there'd be any um, surprise on my part if he did uh, pitch himself at, at National League level. Certainly a very capable player. I'm, I'm still undecided as to where his best position is, whether it's a, as, a, as a right back or whether he's a right-sided centre-half and a three, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, no, I, I wish him all the all the best because, I mean, you know, obviously the job that he did at Bolton uh, was, a, was a very, very, very important one at the time. Yes, definitely. Um, next the headline, and it's about the, uh, the crazy corner, the mad corner, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Neil Hart has been, uh, you did a, an interview with him um, where he, he opened up about a lot of subjects that are on people's minds. Um, and he said about the um, uh, the issue with this corner where uh, we've been discussing this, it seems, for months now because when they release the season tickets, am I right in thinking that they, they didn't offer them in that area? There were rumours that were, they were going to cordon it off. What, yeah, yeah. what has he updated us on? Yeah, I, I do, but they're certainly not closing it. I think some of the people suggested that they were trying to close it or stop people buying there. I don't think that has been the case. Um, but whether or not some of it, uh, some of that area has now had to be uh, put off sale because of the policing issues. Um, the, the club have had a policing plan kind of enforced on them, and I know they're talking about that now at the minute, so it may be that that changes. Um, but because of the problems that have emanated from that side of the stadium, uh, the lower end of the East stand, the, the police have had to double down on, on what they're offering there. And obviously you can only have so much space and, and you know so many people that are allowed there. So unfortunately, it's been taken slightly out of the club's hands. I think it is under negotiation. I think they are trying to sort things. Um, there are a few suggestions I know the club are making about how that can be improved and how... Um, you know, voicing their opinion on the policing as well. I think, you know, they've had a fair few complaints over the heavy-handedness of it. So I think there's a bit of um, bit of discussion going on there. Um, I think the other thing to say on that is is the away fans uh, being moved out of the stadium at the same time as the home fans. That looks like that's being addressed as well. I think that's caused a, a few flashpoints this season. Looks like they might do similar to what Wigan do um, and hold back for 10 minutes and let the home fans out first, then the away fans. It happens to a, you know, a fair few grounds. But I think that might reduce a few of the problems at the Uniball that we've seen in the past, certainly the past since fans came back this se- uh, this this present season. Um, so I'm hoping that's a good step. I mean, they are trying, and, and it's not, you know, I, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, stick up for Neil Hart and every single decision made there, but they are trying to stay sensible with it um they've given out i think he said something like 30 banning orders which is very very high indeed um and i know there are a couple of cases as we're talking now that are in the you know in the middle of the legal process so i can't say too much about them but there's there's more going on as we speak um so you know they're they're trying to be seen to be doing something but not trying to do it too much that it's alienating the fan base it's quite a, a fine line to tread yeah, it's um, yeah. I I, I have because I've sat in the uh, to the right side of the dugouts quite a few times this year. So obviously coming out where the away fans are, and yeah, yeah you do see that there has been flashpoints against certain teams. I mean, to be honest, there's flashpoints are uh, you know even minor ones against any team we play, even. Uh, 
when you've got a team that bring 50 fans, there's still fans uh, chanting at them after the game. But um, no, it's um, yeah. This you know we've we've seen a few things recently that just creeped crept back in of um, of this sort of harking back to the the 80s kind of attitudes. And I don't know whether that's a social issue, whether it's just people coming back from COVID and getting overexcited. I don't know, but yeah, it, it's obviously now a a big issue for football clubs because, but you know, this is the thing that people need to understand is for Bolton Wanderers as a club, you know, I'm sure Bolton would love to keep that corner open and because uh, that's where all the uh, atmosphere comes from. I'm sure they um, they would like it to be that sort of the, the red hot atmosphere. But at the same time, they're trying to encourage families to come and kids and as a, you know, if if I was a dad, I don't think I'd I'd be too comfortable bringing a, a three or four year old when it's potentially to kick off. So yeah, they've got they've got to really do this to to go down the other route. But I'm sure it will all iron itself out in the end, and uh, whatever plans they've got in place will work. Excellent stuff. Let's uh, let's move things on to something slightly happier. Yeah, and it's the fan zone. We've uh, we're starting to see it's taking shape. Hopefully, it'll be in place. For the first game of the season, uh, what can you tell us? What do what can we expect? And also, what what do we want from it? What do the club want from it? Yeah, I, I think we touched on it last week about the opening times and and how um, it's going to be three hours before kickoff on a on a Saturday. Um, I think the, the, by the sounds of things, they're having some some big meetings this week with uh, with the council um, about exactly what can go there and how how. You know everything. Everything fits together, um, but uh, the most important thing I think is that they're going to be having some some football on. You know before the game, so they're going to have the big screens, um, which will give pl- some somewhere for people to gather. And they are doing their best to make sure that it does. Um, it's a more attractive environment, if you know what I mean. It's a, it's a very windy place, and it can be extremely cold. We know that, of course, uh, but I think they are trying to mitigate that slightly by by you know the design of the whole thing. So um, that's that's positive. We're not going to end up just it, it being a complete uh, white elephant when it it drops below kind of zero degrees on a December uh, on a December weekend. But um, no, I think. The other, the other thing to, to notice on it is that the club are actually quite interested in, in hearing from fans on what they want from it. I think maybe from a supporter's point of view, it might be a case of, you know, I wonder what they're going to give us. But actually, from what I, you know, the conversations I've had, um, they are quite open to, to suggestions and what they would like. And, and again, we hark back to this kind of engagement thing, whether it be through the supporters' trust or whether you contact directly i think they do want to listen and they do want to hear what they what fans actually would like to see in a fan zone i mean how about you i mean you know in a, in a dream world um what kind of uh, what kind of food and drink would you uh, would you like to pick up from the car park it's you know you park that side of the stadium it'd be quite a nice little uh, walk through to uh, to, your, to your seat i should imagine yeah well you just want um yeah just decent uh decent food and drink decent beer and uh um, you know, and, and I like the fact that they're going to have a big screen so you can watch the, the early kickoff as well. Yeah, it's just, you just want something to, yeah, just bring a bit of atmosphere, get people, you know, in, in the mood. Like I said last week, I, the, the Accrington game, you go, you go in there, uh, the tent they've got up. And to be fair, when we, I know we had more fans than them when we played them at uh, the Crown Ground or whatever it's called, the Wham, is it Wham Stadium? Wham Stadium. Um, yeah. But, but it was nice. It was nice. There were a nice mix of fans. I know it's, they won't have that at Bolton. It should be Bolton fans. But the, the chanting, maybe having a, a, a band on or something or music on just to get the atmosphere going. Uh, yeah, it's uh, potential to... to I, I'm really intrigued to see how it's going to go. I really am because um, I think the first couple of weeks will be great. Challenge will be when it gets to December and it's it's two degrees and raining. That will be a challenge for them, I guess. But, but yeah, you just want it to be. You want it to look good. You don't want it to just look like dirty and and miserable. You want it to look good and and people to to be excited to to go. Yeah, absolutely. It is a bit of a work in progress. I will say that about it. I have been told that what what you see, you know, immediately won't be 
how it is 12, 18 months down the line. But um, no, I'm looking forward to it myself, actually. Uh, just hope uh, hope they sell some uh, some decent uh, food on the way through because, you know, I get hungry on the walk up the stairs to get my press food. So it'd be nice to have a <laughs> snack along the way. Um, right, come on, let's have another headline then. Uh, well, Ian Everett has been talking this week and talking about... Um... We've been reflecting on our last two seasons with him. Mm. And as we all know, the um, first half of the season hasn't been good as the second half in both times. So uh, he's been looking at ways to address that and, and for us to have a, a full season of victories rather than just four or five months and relying on the jan- uh, transfer window in January. So what's he been saying about this? Yeah, it's play, playing catch-up, hasn't he? I mean, obviously, we know what happened in League 2. It was a right dash for the line and... And this season's been quite similar in that January shaped everything and everything past January the 15th has been hunky-dory at Bolton. So I think they're in a better position now than they were in the previous two seasons under Everett. But Everett has himself admitted that it didn't just happen at Bolton. It's actually happened that kind of October, November-ish slump has happened at Barrow as well. So... He's kind of looking at his own managerial processes, whether it be pre-season and fitness training, just to see whether or not there's anything he can do. He's taken advice uh, from his medical team on that. I think the Portugal trip will enable him to get a little bit more into his players because they are exclusively his. You know, there's, there's, I know they went to Loughborough in that first season away, um, which was quite important, but that was a very new group. It was almost the only mm. team bonding exercise they could do at the time. Um, so uh, I think this is going to be, you know, that levelled up several times. So the, the Portugal trip's really important for the not only the fitness side of things, but also the kind of the, the team bonding exercise as well. Um, so, you know, he goes into this season with a much stronger hand. And I, and I know I, I wrote a piece this morning about um, about the goalkeeper being the, the kind of the, the, the tell, really, because in the past two seasons... He started with a Billy Krellin. He started with well, Matt Jilks and then moved on to Joel Dixon, both of which ended up, you know, being being benched. So that's for me the the key one now is that as long as he can go into this season with roughly this squad, you know, maybe a couple of other players. We talked about Fossey, keep hold of our flying, keep hold of Rico. You know, maybe add a, a couple more, but the goalkeeper, if he can get whether it be James Trafford or not. You know, I would like to see James Trafford back. And from what I understand, you know, it's it's what they want too. But it has to be the first choice keeper. I don't think successful teams very often swap keepers midway through the season. What what do you think? No, I definitely agree with that. Um, I would love to see Trafford back. But if, uh, if he can't, then, yeah, you, you want them to have someone who... Um, yeah, who can who can be someone for the future? Like Jilks was great in in League uh, League Two, but he wasn't one for the future. And, and unfortunately, in League One, he started the season didn't start very well. Joel Dixon was another one where okay, he was he was okay for the first few months of the season, but then it just went pear shaped around uh, Christmas time. So um, yeah, you would hope that they can bring someone in and he, they can have someone for a few years. Um, just on James Trafford, there's rumours today that Vincent Company is going to be going to Burnley. Um, Company being very close to Manchester City, um, and he was linked. Trafford was linked with Anderlecht, wasn't he? Could this be a, a um, could this be something to maybe hamper Trafford's move? Uh, could could we see Trafford at Burnley instead? Do you reckon? Do you know what? I don't I I'm not sure. I don't think so. Is is I think it'd be a very easy story to write and don't be at all surprised if it is uh it is written by somebody. But I personally, you know, if 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 James Trafford if 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 Manchester City think James Trafford is a starting championship goalkeeper right now, I would be very surprised. Hmm. I would be very surprised. You know, let's be fair, he's had one good half a season with Bolton Wanderers. Um, City have also got a lot of other good young, young goalkeepers who've been out on loan. Bazuna at Portsmouth, for example, um, who I think is probably having a full, having had a full season behind him, probably ahead of Trafford. And if they were going to be going to loan somebody out to a, tri- I mean, not just a championship club, but a championship club with 
big wages. I mean, they're looking at 40 million quid for Nick Pope. Um, to replace that with a goalkeeper on loan from Manchester City who hasn't hit his 20th birthday yet would be quite a surprise. As much as I rate Trafford, and I think he's got a big career ahead of him, it would be a massive, massive shock. Vincent Company was in charge at Anderlecht, but he wasn't the person who was saying, hey, I want James Trafford. It was Manchester City were looking to send James Trafford out to a, a level, a certain level of club. Now, I said at the time with, with Anderlecht that if he's, if he's been sent abroad, that's fine. If that's what they want, if that's the experience they wanted for James Trafford, that's that's their, their call, obviously. He's, he's their player. But he wasn't going to get football at Anderlecht. Anderlecht had Belgium's reserve goalkeeper as as their as their keeper, their club skipper. So I don't think Vincent Company was looking at James Trafford as as you know the savior of of Anderlecht over there, and nor nor will he uh, Burnley. Personally, you know I think Bolton are in the driving seat as far as Trafford's concerned, as long as City don't want him at a certain level challenging you know if they want him playing championship football then they'll find a club that he's going to have a better chance of getting football at, if you ask me yeah um yeah i i'm i'm very hopeful with trafford and, and i think you're right i think championship's probably a bit too soon for him um whereas league one he proved it at the last, end of last season that he can do it in that league he enjoyed playing for Bolton. he worked well he, he even assisted a few goals for us so it's You'd think for Manchester City and whoever's in charge of their loans, they'd look at that and go, well, yeah, there's no harm in sending him there for a full season because he's he's doing exactly what, um, you know, he, he fits in as a Manchester City player. You look at Edison, he's, he's someone who gets a few assists in the season. He passes the ball out, he's comfortable on the ball. So he's fitting in with what Manchester City wants. So he's, he's clearly not ready to be challenging um Edison, yet you like you said, the Portsmouth goalkeeper's probably one up from him into in the pecking order. So yeah, he might as well come back to Bolton and and you've got to remember as well with the, the Burnley situation is that that's going to be a difficult situation to go in. We've heard this week that the, apparently the club's in a bit of trouble. Um, the Championship as well is a tough league, but that okay, Burnley have been in the Championship before, but not for six years. League's changing that time, so they they might need a few weeks to adjust to it. So it's, um, it could be difficult if they've got a, a, loan, a young loan player in. Yeah, but then again, if you're going to be charging 40 million quid for Pope and, you know, 20-odd for Tarkovsky, whatever, you know, uh, Cornet... They've got they've got assets there. I mean, as much as as repaying that loan is bad, they're also being stocked up by an absolute ton of parachute payments as well. You know, I'm not going to cry them a river at Burnley. I'm afraid they've they've they're in that same situation as Bolton were, dropping down um, into the Championship. You shouldn't go any further, really, with the, with the parachute payments you've got there. The other thing I'll say about Trafford is he's in the England Under Twenty One squad this week, so his mm. time at Bolton has been very successful. You know, Manchester City will be very pleased that England under 21s are now picking James Trafford off the back of him playing half a season in League One. So, you know, that's that is good progression as far as I'm concerned, and I think they'd be happy to send him back. Yeah, I, yeah, I think they would as well. And it's local as well, he, he's you know, he doesn't have to relocate. So, yeah. all signs are good for Bolton. Let's hope uh, we can get it done as, as soon as possible so we're not having to. Uh, spend the whole summer, you know, wondering what's going on, contemplating who we start in the season with. Hopefully, it can get done and we can uh, we can move on. Talking about moving on, should we move on? Um, last week we had a, we had a correspondence special last week, and it seems to have triggered even more correspondence. So pretty soon, this is just going to be a podcast full of letters. Is that Philip Marish? Actually, the Phil Moresh postbag is open once again, and we've had some uh, some good good uh, emails this week. So I've picked out a few. Actually, we've had two good emails and one really horrible one. So I'll I'll read out the horrible one at last. Um, we, we had more emails, but these are just the ones I've picked out. By the way, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, this one is from Chris, who is miles away in Richmond, mostly listening to the uh, Buff and Pink Floyd. Um, so he's just enjoying the podcast as ever and listening to the piece on the potential kit sponsors, Greenpeace, UNICEF, Amnesty International, whatever it may be. 
Uh, my personal hope, and I can see that this is a very long shot, that given Nick Mason's association with the club, it might be Pink Floyd. What a great look it would be, and what a great marketing opportunity to have your home kit of all white, white collar and cuffs, and just the crest at the front of the wish you were here image of the, of the burning businessman shaking hands on an industrial estate. Likewise, the away kit could be even more of a classic with the dark side of the moon prism on an all black kit. Do you think hmm. you'll have a chance to chat with Neil Hart and Manic Mason to put this forward? I'm sure it would help Pink Floyd's flagging fortunes to have a weekly plug on EFL and Quest. Um, <laughs> sure, and on the buff, don't forget. Um, surely a winner and worth uh, canning any current sponsorship ideas in favour of. Uh, that's a good one, Chris. Um, Pink Floyd, I'd, I'd be quite happy with Pink Floyd, wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> it might be like... Uh... We could have a different band every week. Was it Atletico Madrid years ago? I used to have a different film on every week. Yeah. Uh, as their sponsor. We could have a different band on every well, week. Wet, Wet, Wet famously uh, sponsored Clyde Banks' kit one time. Right. And I'm, I'm pretty uh, yeah. sure it's happened in other bands as well. There are, oh, I can't remember his name. Somebody, uh, Jake Bug, he sponsored Notts County. Ed Sheeran with Ipswich this I, I week. I was just going to say Ed Sheeran, yeah, of course, yeah. No, that's interesting. Uh, could we get uh, a Bolton band? Maybe the Horton Weavers. I mean, it's, they've they've not they've not done anything for a while. Maybe it's time they uh, they expanded their horizons and looked to sponsor a shirt. <laughs> I would I would buy that every single day of the week. Um, yeah, I would. Talking about sponsorship, our second email. Uh, Mark and Henry listened to your thoughts on a new stadium name, and surprised you haven't thought about sponsoring it with the podcast. The Buff Dome has a certain ring to it. <laughs> I like that, yes. Uh, seriously, though, I would like to draw your attention to what Middlesbrough did when they opened the Riverside Stadium in 1995. It was initially called the Cellnet Riverside Stadium. And the Riverside Stadium bit had been voted for by the fans. The other options, according to Wikipedia, were the Teesside Stadium, the Middle Haven Stadium, and the Urinus uh, Ur Stadium, Weird A. Um, what is to stop, for example, a big local company like AO sponsoring Wanderers and calling it the AO Lofthouse Stadium? In fact, I think the AO Lofthouse Arena sounds better. But if you guys have the cash, don't discount the buff idea. Yours in podcasting, Mitch from Bolton. Um, well, first things first, we can't afford... We don't have the cash. <laughs> no, exactly. We can't afford Henry's Rider and sponsor the University of Bolton Stadium, whatever it may be. Um, so it's one or the other, I'm afraid. Either Henry gets his gold M&Ms or uh, we, we sponsor a stadium. We can't do both. Um, but, yeah, what, would you be happy with that? Would you be happy mixing and matching if you were to pick a legend out like, like Lofthouse and then stick, you know, the Cars past his Lofthouse Stadium or the Bolton News Lofthouse Stadium? Well, I like that one, by the way. Oh really? I like the idea of a fans' vote, but then obviously you're uh, you're opening it up to opposition fans. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, suddenly but... it's the James McLean Stadium out of absolute nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's. Um, I mean, let's face it; they're never going to win a a, a a a fans' vote based on being numerous, are they? I mean, that's just never going to no. happen. Yeah. No, that's a good point. But um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I. I... I guess uh, I, I'm going to leave my opinions until after we find out what it's called. If we get a good sponsor, then yeah, that's fine. But if it's a naff sponsor, then you're like, oh, well, maybe the Lockdown Stadium doesn't sound too bad. Um, yeah, it's. I guess this is the thing with new stadiums being called uh, after sponsorship straight off the bat because, uh, you know, where, whereas the Riverside... Is it's got its own name and that'll always be the name for it. Um, stadium will like the same. Whereas when it started as the Reebok Stadium, we haven't got a a name for it. You know, there's there's no name to to go back to. It is actually the Reebok people call it. So uh, yeah, well, I, I am I'm really looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing who our new sponsor kit sponsor is. But I'm really looking forward, and I hope we're not disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they did miss a trick when they built the stadium 25 years ago. It would have been nice to, even if it was something like, I, I mean, I, Middlebrook is the retail park. Obviously, that's a, a company name, but it, had it been the Middlebrook Stadium and the Reebok Middlebrook Stadium, it, it still would have been called the Reebok, but you would have been able to revert back to the Middlebrook Stadium all the way through it, no, yeah. you know, regardless of whether they had a stadium name or not. But uh, 
who knows? Who knows? Um, right, okay, so they were, they were the two good ones. I'm going to read out one which, I mean, when you open an email account and you get so much traffic as we do, you are inevitably subject to a bit of spam. But this sort of level of targeted spam I have never seen before in my life. So this is an email I got last night, and I just thought I'd read it out. Dear Mark, I hope you're doing well. I'm writing on behalf of Longevita London Limited, a healthcare service provider based in London, UK. So far, so good. Recently, we conducted a study to find out if being bold is related to success, seeing that so many powerful figures in sports are bold, and we thought it might be the case with you. Our study successfully links the two traits, and then there's a lot of science, which suggests yeah. that boldness and uh, the level of this massive chemical that we've got here i have no idea how even how to say that one but um it's basically certain masculine behaviors such as aggressiveness confidence competitiveness and risk taking are linked with boldness um it also says uh, the content focuses on males alone in no way do the views expressed represent the behaviors of personalities of women uh, kind <laughs> regards longevita and, and wanted to know if i was going to be interested in taking part of the study uh, right, well, they've, they've done the research, clearly. I want to know what sort of research they did. Did they just, bold, like, bold people? <laughs> at what point in the huge pantheon of bold people did I turn up at? I mean, you know, there are there are some very, uh, some, uh, some, some, some high-level boldies in sport, in fairness. You know, United's manager, City's manager. Um, yeah. I, I'm not having it that Klopp's not wearing a wig, so... <laughs> that's probably the same maybe they did uh, just like when uh, I think he's it Alex Baptiste appears on when you type in Bolton Wanderers legends on Google maybe they typed in bald men and you've got like Bruce Willis come up uh, Vin Diesel uh, and then you randomly <laughs> amongst all of them just Charlie, Charlie Brown then me, yeah. Could, could well be, could well be. What a, I just thought I'd share that with you. I don't know why. I mean, maybe I'll end up on the cutting room floor, but I thought it was quite interesting. Uh, <laughs> they could sponsor the stadium. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Longevita Marketing, get in touch. I'll do you a deal, <laughs> um, a baldy deal. Um, quite a mystery um, why anybody would think that email was a good idea, but there we go. Um, right, well, speaking of mysteries, it's time we open those case files once again. Line of duty. Yes. We are back with another line of duty. It's a short line of duty this week, uh, brought to us by a Philip Marsh, who I believe is a friend of the show and has had a couple of emails in to us. Um, he says, um, this might be something I misremembered, but did Bolton Wanderers disappear on tour to Nigeria during, a mid during the mid-season in the early 80s, or was I watching too much Tizwas at the time? Hmm. He says... Um, so, Henry, have you uh, any recollection whatsoever that Bolton Wanderers played in Nigeria? Uh, no. Um, when you first said it, I was thinking maybe a Kocha link there, but that is definitely not. So, no, I, I, I don't have any. I didn't, I've never heard that before. So, you're right. Um, I, first thing I thought was a Kocha, and then obviously we have no idea of knowing how old JJ was at that point in time, but I would guess about mid-30s. Um, so, in the in the early eighties, uh, Bolton would, were just about to drop out, or nearly. They were scrapping for relegation at the bottom of um, the championship, effectively. And uh, George Mullall was in charge. Now, I've done my research here, so George Mullall uh, thought it was a good idea. They had a slight break after Christmas of a week, one for spare weekend, and he took his team to West Africa which in the early 80s mustn't have been an easy trip. It, I doubt there was any direct flights from Manchester to Lagos. <laughs> no. Right. So um, apparently, and I'm just paraphrasing what, uh, what text I've got here, um, they had a game against the Nigerian All-Star X1, and they lost it 4-1. Um, but they had to delay the trip. When they landed, um, all their kit had disappeared all their kit and all their supplies. 
So they had to put the game back 24 more hours because all their stuff had gone. So not only was it just a ridiculous thing to do anyway, they also ended up messing up in customs as well. So this, this line of duty has not only uncovered the fact that it was true, but even more about it, that it was quite wow. a controversial trip. They came back, apparently landing on the Thursday to play on the Saturday, which in itself is ridiculous. Um, and they beat Sheffield Wednesday 1-0. All right, so hey, there's methods to the madness. Now, how can they go all the way to Nigeria, then come back and beat Sheffield Wednesday? But Gary Megson names a reserve team at Sporting Lisbon and then can't beat Wigan. <laughs> you tell me that. There's the real line of duty, Henry. That is the real line of duty. That, that, that annoys me even more, that now, for the fact that. Uh, what is it? Fifteen years? No, twenty years earlier, maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 Gary it's, makes sense. It's a nonsense, is what it is. What it is, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, if you tuned in last week, we did the first ever Bolton Wanderers Mastermind Quiz, and and Henry rattled off a succession of correct answers. Um, on last, well, last season, whatever the season just got. Is it this season or that? I think the playoff finals uh, are still going on. Is it still this season? Yeah, still this season until the weekend, then it's last season. Fair play. I'll, uh, I'll go with you on that one. But um, right, so yes, it was that season anyway that uh, that Henry answered all his questions. I know it was easy. Let's be honest, it was pretty easy because hmm. it was fresh in the mind. Uh, but this hmm. week, I've gone with something a little bit more niche. I need to get my phone ready uh, because we're going to need a timer for two minutes. Henry has prepared some questions on my chosen subject. Would you like to tell the people what my chosen subject was, Henry? Your chosen subject is the life and times of Kevin Davis. Kevin Davis. Okay, right. I've done my stretches. I took a very cursory glance at um, an article I did about Kevin Davis uh, about three minutes before starting this podcast, which... I'm hoping you've based your entire research on. So there you go. <laughs> oh, definitely. Right. Uh, that you may begin when ready. Okay. Three, two, one. Kevin Davis turned 45 this year, but what is his star sign? He is an Aries. Correct. Kevin famously scored a hat-trick at Burnham Park for Chesterfield in the FA Cup fourth round, but who did they beat in the fifth round? Chesterfield, I don't know, pass. Kevin Davis scored his first and last goal for Bolton against which club? Oh, my word. Um, first goal, uh, last goal. Oh, crikey. Middlesbrough. Cor uh, wrong. Ah, <laughs> wrong. Um, Karong. Kevin Davis's only England cap was against Montenegro in 2010, but there were three other players on the bench who have now played for Bolton. Who were they? Oh, my God. Um, Gary Cale was one of them because I interviewed him. Um, who else would it be? Jack Wilshire. Hmm? And um, Daniel Sturridge. Wrong. Ah. Who did Kevin Davis support as a kid? Sheffield United. Correct. Uh, Kevin Davis first signed for Southampton in 1997, but who was his league debut against? Oh, my God. Um, United. Wrong. Ah. Thierry Henry once said that Kevin Davis was one of his role models, along with which other striker? <laughs> Thierry Henry, <laughs> along with uh, Michel Platini. <laughs> Wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, which league did Kevin Davis manage Southport in? Uh, the Conference North. Well, National League North, National I'll give you North. that. Yeah, yeah. How many times did Kevin Davis win Player of the Year at Bolton? I've started, so I'll finish. Um, how many? How many? How many? I'm going to say twice. Wrong. Oh, my it God. So let's run through the answers. So you were Kevin Davis is an Aries. You was right. His, his birthday uh, is the day after mine. That is the only way, reason I got that right. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, he was born on the same. Well, not born on the same day. He shares the same birthday as Diana Ross. Does Kevin Davis? Is that right? Yeah. Um, 
I went in a weird order, so I'm just going to run down. Uh, so this is not the order you answered them in, but it's the order. It's a order. Uh, so Kevin Davis scored a hat-trick for Chesterfield at Burnham Park. In the fifth round, they beat Nottingham Forest. Kevin Davis scored his first and last goals for Bolton against Blackburn. Goodness me, right. Uh, Kevin Davis, his only England cap was against Montenegro. On the bench, there were three other players who have now played for Bolton. They were Jack Wilshire, Gary Cahill and Stephen Warnock. Oh, Steve Warnock, of course, right, yeah. Um, Do you he know he, player went down, of the year... he went down to the England camp with Steve Warnock? I should have known that. Wow, did he? Yes. Okay. So, was Stephen Warnock, he would have been playing at Blackburn? Blackburn at yeah, the, yeah, he was, yeah. Oh, sod it. <laughs> um, he won player of the year at Bolton three times in the 2003-04 season, 2007-08 season, and in 2008-09 season. Right. Uh, he were right. He supported Sheffield United as a kid. His, uh, he first signed for Southampton in 1997. His league debut was on the first day of the 97-98 season. He came off the bench against Bolton Wanderers. Oh, my word. Imagine not knowing that. <laughs> um, you were correct about uh, that he managed Southport in the National League North. And finally, Thierry Henry once said, and this is true, he was once asked, who are your role models? And he answered, Kevin Davis and Paul Dickoff. Oh. <laughs> That is genuinely true. Google it. He actually said that. <laughs> In peak Thierry Henry time as well. I am not Googling Dickoff. <laughs> Absolutely not. So the the very brief note that I scribbled down, um, as I said, I didn't get a lot of time for research for, for reasons I won't go into, but I had a very late night um, <laughs> that was not alcohol related. Uh, I've got uh, Kevin Davis, 605 fouls. 727 fouled. Uh, that's the only two notes I made. Um, that was just in case you asked me how many times he'd been fouled and how many times he'd fouled anybody in the Premier League. And I was going to wow you with that statistic, um, relying on my general knowledge about Kevin Davis to see me through. But that's clearly been a, a bad tactic, really. So, uh, yes. I, you I, knew I his know. birthday. Yes, as I say, it was, it's a day after my own. So, really, if I'd forgotten <laughs> that, it would have been terrible. I also knew his middle name. Um, but uh, aside, aside from that, I think I've had a bit of a mare, it's fair to say. Uh, I, that was, if we would have had three minutes, Kevin, what is Kevin Davis' middle name? Because that was a question coming up. Cyril. Yeah, I knew that It one. is Cyril, yeah. his, That was his yeah. dad's name, yeah. So, there we go. Well, there you have it. Another, <laughs> another episode of The Buff has passed by quicker than uh, a David Weeter pre-match warm-up. How about that? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, it's it's been an enjoyable one, Henry. Again, you know, we've managed to pad an hour out despite having absolutely zero to talk about. Um, so, uh, and, and you might not be here next week. Yeah, uh, I'm going Mexico for two weeks on a, uh, well, it's technically our honeymoon. It's, we're going to be there for our anniversary. We figured that uh, we should really go on a honeymoon um, within a year of getting married. So we left it to the last minute. But uh no, so because um, we're going on Wednesday, we've kind of agreed if anything happens in the Baltimore Wanderers world, then we'll reconvene on Tuesday and record an episode. But uh, by the looks of it, nothing will have, will have happened. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to. You're gonna have to uh, in the same way that England had Stephen Warnock and Jack Wiltshire on the bench. You're gonna have to look at your bench and get two standings. <laughs> Standings, yes, we're gonna have uh, guest guest co-hosts. They're called in the in the biz, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it'll be it'll be interesting. We might have a different uh, different person in segueing from headline to headline next week and uh, and facing a battery of questions on Mastermind. We don't know who it will be yet, um, but Bolt Mondras, there is your challenge. Make sure we have to phone Henry up the day before he's supposed to be going to Mexico and do a podcast. Just. Uh, I'm sure he'll really enjoy us doing that. So there's your challenge. Sign mm. somebody big on Monday and uh, we can we can get that one done. Um, but until then, until then, I have been Mark Acapulco Isles. And I have been Henry Jared Bargetti Hewitt. And this has been El Buff. <laughs>